0: Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the bad the Don't Be A Dickhead podcast with me, John Gilbert. And me,
1: Ian Thompson.
0: Look at us, we're at episode six and today we are going to be talking about dickheadery in the workplace. In the workplace. I've been place, looking forward right. to this one. It's been embarrassing, the prep for this, hasn't it? Well... Yeah, I mean, we've asked a few colleagues um, for acts of dickheadery, and it's interesting what happened. Now, you seem to be the
1: focus of that attention for (laughs) butter-related crime. It's not what people are thinking. I I don't know where (laughs) this came from, either. I used some butter, and then all of a sudden the butter disappeared, and I got blamed for it. Yeah.
0: I mean, it just shows what a boring workplace that we are, that that was the number one crime. And it just shows also they don't know about, I'm sure you've done worse. Uh We just haven't found you out.
1: Exactly, you say, yeah.
0: And there was another dynamic that came into this, Um, pun slightly intended. You can see that my team know um, which side their bread is buttered on because I didn't come in for any criticism and I'm definitely a dickhead at work. Yeah, I think maybe it's in these COVID-19 lockdown times when I'm having to make furloughing decisions and (laughs) trying to keep us all in a job. It's be nice to John time. (laughs) So long may these terrible times continue.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah.
0: <laughs> there is a potential theory that I'm not a dickhead at work, but I, I, I don't buy that myself. So should we jump in then with some of the yeah. particular behaviours, right? One of the things that comes up when you Google dickhead behaviours at work or unpleasant stuff is about smells. But yeah. the main thing is about smelly lunches. So people are working offices and they'll have like a fish pie or something mm. and it just kind of comes right across... The, the office.
1: I don't know about you. I don't really mind that. I, I'm not a massive fan of egg sandwiches. When people have that, I'll be honest. Right. It's that that grinds my gears a bit. Does it? Mm. It's just it's just just not a very nice smell. Oh, like when people get like the really strong smelling curries and things like that. Now it's not too bad for me because I actually have an office separate to yours, don't I? So I've got mm. my own little small broom cupboard downstairs. That's um. i'm quite well protected i basically self-isolate all day all year every year and uh, however In the, in the, I think your
0: however is the same thing I was going to suggest. There is a however about where you say. Well, there?
1: there's there's two howevers. One of them is that downstairs in our office, none of the windows open. I, I presume it's a security measure, and that's that's absolutely fine. But it does mean that smells in my room. I do have to think about what I'm going to eat for lunch because the smell sticks around for the rest of the day. The other thing is that right outside my door, or just opposite <laughs> my door, is the door for the downstairs toilet. That's fine and all, there's only me downstairs, apart from the fact that everyone from upstairs comes down to use my toilet. And and here we are back at smells. Well, okay, just to explain
0: then, so Eskimo Super up on the first floor, and we have two toilets up there, and we have our own kitchen space, but it's just one big open plant office, so wheeze are allowed, right? But anything that might create more of a smell is a
1: special privilege reserved for the toilet next to your office. That's correct, yeah. well, quite weird, in defense of people from Eskimo Soup, as you say, it's a big open plan office, weirdly designed with two toilets right in the middle as the centerpiece. <laughs> yeah, but I do,
0: um, when we have people on work experience, I try and like diplomatically explain to them about, well, do you use the toilet, yeah, there's this one here, but if you need to know a bit more privacy, there is one downstairs, right? <laughs> And sometimes they're just like, oh, I don't need privacy, it's fine, the door takes care of that. So when they come out and they just waft their shit across the office, I realise I've missed the opportunity. And what I should do is just actually just say that Ian's got a fetish for the remnants of the smell of poo downstairs. So please don't deprive him of that. That's what you need to do. Go and use it. Unless they think when I say a bit of privacy, they're thinking of a number three, in which case I don't want them doing that in the office at all. I've been thinking about recording this um, episode because I've really only worked in small businesses, so I don't want to get into anything too recent because somebody listening to this might think, hey, is he talking about me? So I could go a little bit further back in time. But years ago, almost 20 years ago, I used to work in a porter cabin at the bottom of a garden. I was quite happy on my own uh, because I could sleep at my desk and I didn't really have any work for me to do, so life was pretty good. But then they sent me a companion and... Um, I didn't have any problems with the smell of his food. The problem I had with him was the smell of his crotch. I just don't think he was washing it. And then every now and again, he would just aggravate it. And it's not the kind of conversation you can have with a colleague. I mean, I was quite young at the time. Now I probably would. I'd say, I was really trying not to use his name, but I would probably say, hey, mate, come on, wash your crotch. If you're not going to do that, please don't aggravate any of the smells around there. Um, But then I just kind of just sat there and put up with it. I can still smell it now. That's horrific. In my mind. Yeah. I mean, he was a nice guy, but he was going through quite a lot of bad shit, um, which he would offload to me about his life. And, uh, yeah, i have much preferred being on my own in that porter cabin
1: That's horrific. Mm. Mm.
0: So, um, I've took us to quite a dark place there.
1: So, you've been doing some research, I believe, yes. in terms of workplace behaviours it's not really dickheadery um it's just kind of a little fun thing that i found a, a study by cv library um revealing the eight most embarrassing mistakes that people make in the workplace and i suppose it sort of like some of them do allude to to what we've just been talking about so number one tripping over in front of the whole office was the number one most embarrassing mistake it's not that bad it's just a fun thing Number two, <laughs> I like the idea that we're <laughs> that we're claiming that that would make you a dickhead. What? Well, how dare you? We're not we're not claiming that I'd make you a dickhead. Although maybe laughing at you might make them a dickhead. It depends that's the how far. you one th- most,
0: I don't think that's that embarrassing. Well, Is they're it? just
1: mistakes. They're just embarrassing mistakes. I suppose if you trip up, it depends how far you trip. I mean, in the Eskimo soup upstairs office, you've got the stairs next to the toilets, right in the centre of the office. <laughs> And, and it's I, I, quite a wide opening. And two or three times I have been stood or on one of the wheeled chairs upstairs yeah. and nearly sent myself right down the stairs. It
0: does make me nervous when you do that. Yeah. And I am concerned um, for your safety more so than the chair. <laughs> thanks. Although it would be annoying if the chair was broken as well.
1: Yeah. Okay, number two, sending a negative email to the wrong person. You've mm. already told us your story about that.
0: Yeah, well, that wasn't so much a colleague. That was an external email that was forwarded on that. Yeah, but that was pretty horrific. I think yeah. um, I think that moment when you hit send and you realise that you've got it wrong, that must just be horrific.
1: That is horrific. horrific, yeah. I've never done it with an email. I've done it with texts. Okay, getting too drunk at a work party. Now, this is Dick Heddery. Oh, it can be. I remember once when I was working in Wales, I was working just outside of Merthyr Tidfil. I hadn't been at the company for long. In fact, I think I'd been there less than a week. And they said, oh, we're all going for a night out. So I was like, all right, okay, then, yeah, I'll come along on that. And the Welsh guys, they were big lads and they enjoyed their drinking. So we all went on this night out and I was trying to keep up with them stupidly. Now, I lived in a hotel at this point. I wasn't Alan Partridge. It was just... Wh- <laughs> it just I'd, I'd been there less than a week and it was while I sorted out um, a place to live so I was living in a hotel in the center of the town and we all went out and I got horrifically like one of the most drunk I think I've ever been and went back to the hotel room went into the bathroom threw up all over the bathroom and I mean like all over the bathroom it was probably on the ceiling I I didn't do this but it looked like I just laid on my back and just absolutely erupted <laughs> all over the all over the bathroom <laughs> Because I hadn't been at work that long, then I kind of figured I can't not go in because I'm hungover in the morning. So I got in for 8 o'clock the next morning. And I was the only person in work until about half 11, 12 o'clock. Everyone else knew the etiquette was, if you feel hungover after a company night out, don't feel like you have to come in. And because no one came in, I laid with the phone next to my head so that I could answer it in case any clients rang. That's how good I was. (laughs) Oh. Do you know the worst bit of this story was when I left my room in the hotel because I'd been living there for a few weeks and the people knew me um, and it was only a small family owned hotel and so I put the thing on my door saying do not disturb because I thought I don't want them going in there and like cleaning the place when there's that much sick all over the bathroom I'll do it when I get home so I just just left the bathroom put the thing on the door went out to work got home again at like four or five o'clock they'd been in and they'd cleaned it all. I felt horrific. I felt really, really bad. I had to go downstairs and apologize to them. Yeah. I did that at German
0: exchange with school. I was an absolute disgrace to our nation, but since I think I did it three times in a week, I had a good time though. You were at school. This is like one of the most dickheady things I've ever done is when I did the German exchange, I stayed with Matthias and his family. Lovely family, big house. They had like a football pitch in the garden, it was great. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I kind of made a little bet with myself that I could get pissed every night. I was 15 um, and the drinking age was 16 and I looked a bit older than I was, so I could get saved in the bars. Uh, and I just made an absolute disgrace of myself. It's just because I was childish. And three times I think I vomited. Not like just everywhere,
1: but what they must have thought of me, I don't know. So, number, number three, getting too drunk at a workplace. We, we've discussed that. Number four, leaving a smell in the bathroom. I mean, okay. I don't think you can blame people for leaving a smell, but I, think, I suppose it's embarrassing mistakes on this one, isn't it? Yeah, I think leaving
0: it in the bathroom is okay. It's bringing it out with you. That's the problem.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay, number five, getting caught bad-mouthing a colleague. It's very similar to the email one. I don't know why it's so much less than the email one, really. Hmm. I guess you can talk your way out of it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had that happen to me. OK, number six is a brilliant one. <laughs> <laughs> number six, accidentally saying love you, bye, on a work call, which is just <laughs> phenomenal. I love, it's like when you're at school and you call the teacher mom or something. <laughs> <laughs> OK, love you, bye, on a work call. It's amazing. I'm, oh, sure, my, but- I'm sure my friend said that she did it at work. Um, but she was on the phone to, she's a teacher, she was on the phone to one of the student's parents and she finished the call with, love you, bye-bye, which is just great.
0: (laughs) I've had it where members of the team, I've been like speaking to them on Messenger or something and they've signed it off with a heart or whatever and they've been like mortified. It's like, don't worry, I I don't think there's anything going on here. I just think that was (laughs) a
1: mistake. Um,
0: Yeah, you could certainly use that against somebody if you were going to be a right dickhead about it
1: yeah okay number seven congratulating someone on being pregnant when they weren't i mean that's just really poor um <laughs> really poor really poor prep work isn't it that it's also very specific to be the seventh most embarrassing
0: thing that you could do
1: in yeah. the workplace so this must happen quite a lot yeah 8.5 percent of the people questioned said about it gosh uh, and number eight is having food stuck in your teeth all day. But that's not really a dickhead thing, although it does suggest bad oral hygiene, and it's a little bit annoying when you see some food stuck in someone. It makes me feel a bit sick. <laughs> there you I go. would hope that someone would tell me about it.
0: Yeah. These are really mild, surely. Right, let's see if we can top that, right, in, in the sense of... In the spirit of don't be a dickhead, right? Number one, Yeah. rather than tripping over in front of the whole, whole office, I don't know, it could be like you could... You could combine all of these things. You could come out of the toilet, trip over, like with, with toilet roll, hanging out of your ass. that's the equivalent of the food stuck in your teeth. Shit yourself again on the floor. <laughs> um, then have a go and blame some other colleague about it, verbally or by email, and then apologise and tell them that you love them and then be embarrassed about that.
1: And say, so I'm, so- I'm sorry I had a go at you. I shouldn't be doing that in your state.
0: <laughs> um, please name your baby after me. <laughs> and this was all caused by getting too drunk at the work party the night before i reckon yeah that would someone be could a, manage that a terrible terrible experience so other things that have, i've come across with uh, research around dickheadery at work the number one that came out from our team was around kitchen politics
1: yeah yeah we haven't got a massive kitchen have we no But I think that
0: one of the things that I've come across in my research is dickheadery around not ever making your round of drinks. You know, kind of not not doing it. Which you are—you are excellent at. Ian, I have to. Thanks very much. However, what what's with the thing you do with the spoons? Spoons, Spoons—it's the easiest thing. You just run it under the tap and then you put it in the plate. What? What's your logic behind leaving it in the sink? Is that ready to be washed up? so to you running it under the tap isn't sufficient
1: no no that's just that's just flicking water on it that's like what you do to mushrooms okay (laughs) you shouldn't wash mushrooms properly because it it can detract from the taste and they can take on too much water and whatnot you need to sort of just flick them with water uh, in order to get any dirt and 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 like like um sand off them don't use your
0: mushroom knowledge to detract from the spoon
1: And I also like to use a lot of spoons because I don't feel that people having tea should have to put up with coffee on their spoon when their tea is served. A teaspoon into coffee is fine. A coffee spoon into tea is not fine at all. So I'd use maybe two, three separate separate spoons and then they go in the sink in order to be washed up in future. Although a lot of the time I don't put them in the sink. I put them at the side of the sink so that people can use them again.
0: But the side of the sink is where germs live. So if you'd have run it under the tap at that point.
1: The germs don't live the side of the sink as much as they live in the sink. And so leaving the cloth or the um, sponge in the sink is just, that's beyond the pale. <laughs> so that's the ultimate dickheadery yeah.
0: of kitchen politics? Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Shall we take this uh, issue off air? When we're allowed back in our office after this pesky old lockdown is over, let's have a proper sort-out. I'm willing to give concessions
1: on this. Yeah, I'm willing to wash my spoons up as I go.
0: The other stuff that I found in in the research is really to do with like social interactions. and People seem to have a real bugbear with being asked, what are you doing at the weekend and Mm. how was your weekend? Now... I wasn't that aware of it, but in the course of thinking about this, that's a really good point. And I must admit, and possibly when I ask people what you're up to at the weekend, sometimes I use the phrase, are you doing anything exciting at the weekend? Which is a right dickhead question, because if they're not, I've left them with nowhere to go.
1: Yeah, but also I think those conversations can be boring as well, and it's just like people, they can't think of anything better to say. I mean, I do it as well. I'll often come in on a Monday morning, and I'll sit down and say, right, tell me about your weekend. And just to sort of start things off, but it is more like a bit of a starter conversation because I feel like just asking someone like, what do you do at the weekend or what are you doing at the weekend? Or both, is even worse. Um, it's just, it's like, I've got nothing else to say. So like, let's start with that and see where we go. Uh, so you're not genuinely interested in someone's weekend. That's just a making uh, conversation. It depends. If they've done something really fun, then I'm interested in the weekend, but I'm not interested in just like, what do you do at the weekend? Or like, I cooked a Sunday lunch and I went for a walk in the park and I had some drinks on Friday night. That's boring. Mm. Why would anyone be interested in that? It could unwittingly become a competition of who's had the best weekend as well. I think, has anyone done anything fun over the weekend or what uh, what exciting things have you got planned for the weekend is far more interesting. Oh, So you think I'm all right asking? Yeah, I think because the people who haven't got anything exciting, well, they can just not answer. And I don't mind. I wouldn't mind saying, like, I've got nothing exciting. I'm just going to have a relaxing weekend. I'm quite, I'm quite happy with that. Okay, so if I'm more specific
0: with my question, which is, what do you do in the weekend? And before you answer, please be aware that I'm only interested if it's exciting or out of the ordinary.
1: Yes, I think that's that's perfectly fine. Which they would say, John, I have
0: no response that meets your criteria and I will bid them yeah. a fine weekend, albeit an uninteresting one.
1: That's correct. I think yeah. that's... Fine. That won't in
0: any way make me seem like a dickhead.
1: yeah.
0: Glad we're here to figure that one
1: out. And then then when we do uh, part two of The Workplace and we ask colleagues, what does John do that's Dick Hedder-y? Then they're going <laughs> to... I'm basically just lining you up. This actually fits in quite well as well with the next point, which is boring meetings. Yeah, meetings are quite a cliched problem with work,
0: but they're a big issue. So I hate boring meetings. I have actually fallen asleep in several meetings. One of the worst times was a client meeting a few years ago. I fell asleep when there was just two of us in the meeting. Because he just kept going on and on and on. And then I've had ones where I've considered injuring myself. They do it on Family Guy where Peter Griffin gets himself out of boring situations by ramming a pair of scissors up his nose. And I've actually thought about doing stuff just to get out of this. This is, this is more historical stuff. And I've just been thinking, if I punch myself in the face, then it's going to look like I've had some kind of psychotic episode and I'll get sympathy. If I punch the client in the face, then it's an assault charge, so I can't do that, so that's the only option. And that's dickheadery of my part to complain about it, because what I should do is be professional and just listen to it. But also, I think, on the part of the other person in the
1: meeting, you've just got to read the room. This has reminded me of two stories. They're not really meetings, but they kind of were. So one of them was at, and it's both examples of me being a dickhead, uh, one of them hey. was um, at a wedding. I was a little bit drunk, and I was talking to someone, and someone else came along and started talking, and I didn't know them, and they were really boring. Do you know what? Like when someone's so boring, and like you're that uninterested that you start to get angry about it, and you get a bit of a feeling in the pit of your stomach about how angry you are that this is so boring. Like, and it, this built up so much in me that I think it was probably because I was so drunk. I just "I'm really sorry. I'm just going to have to stop you. That I'm really bored." So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over here for a bit and just left the conversation and just wow. stop them. So that was, that, that, was, that was good. The second one is when I was doing jury service. For anyone who hasn't done jury service or who doesn't know how the courts work and things, what tends to happen is the defence and the prosecution firstly... Well, first of all, you get a talk from the judge where he tells you what's going to happen. Then the defence and the prosecution tell you all about what their cases are and they, like, summarise it. Then the defence and the prosecution actually do their their arguments, so they they do a longer version of than their summary. Then the defence and the prosecution sum up their arguments, where they basically do a summing up of their summary and of the uh, of the of the actual arguments. So you've listened to this three times now, basically, and then the judge sums up. The entire case as well for you. So that's four times and then you have to go away and you I have to... I do- feel like I was there. So I was on the jury. The judge at one point stopped the case to ask what I was doing because he said, I don't think you're concentrating. And it was because what on, with one hand I was writing, with the other hand I was like just playing with the wall in the background like that. And he thought I had my hand up and he stopped and he said, sorry, juror number, whatever, do you, do you have a question? I was like, oh no, sorry, I was just I was playing with the wall. And he was like, well, are, are we boring you? You know, I, I'm worried that you're not concentrating. I said, No, I am, yeah. I'm making, he said, What are you writing? And I said, I'm making notes about it. And he was like, Right, okay then. <clears throat> now, at that point, I was very worried because I thought if he asked to see my notes, he'll notice that all I'm doing is trying to write down all 96 Football League teams, which I was. <laughs> Whilst someone's life hung in the balance, then I was just trying to name every single Premier League and Football League team. So wow. there we go. Did you send them down? Uh, no, I don't think we did. No. Oh, right. Okay.
0: Let's hope they didn't go on to any further misdemeanors.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, yeah. I'll be honest. They probably would have done, but the the prosecution <laughs> just the prosecution just wasn't strong enough. <laughs> so I'll leave the
0: fact that um, anybody that's created a situation that hasn't kept us entirely stimulated, whether that's a
1: weekend or a meeting. It just means that that's just dickheadery, That's all we're saying. I think we are, yeah. Maybe it's either that that's dickheadery or it's our intolerance that's dickheadery. I'm yeah. not willing to debate that right now. One of the other things I've spotted, and we will start wrapping up soon, um,
0: about dickheadery in the workplace is this idea of pranks. You know, like yeah. you've got like a character in, in the workplace. Now, I've tried to do this before. I've been that dickhead who's done pranks. We used to work in an old building called Salter's House on the High Street in Hull. Uh, It's been there hundreds of years. As a consequence of that, there were a couple of quirks. Um, One was there was a hole in the ceiling and pigeons could get into our office. So some mornings you'd go in and there would be pigeon droppings on your (laughs) desk and it was a pain. And I would actually catch the pigeons, shoot them out of the window or they'd go back up on their own accord. Anyway, one time this pigeon had got a little bit lost within the office and as I was trying to catch it, it went into the gents' toilet, to which thinking, oh, right, I can go in and catch this quite easily. Now, if I throw a towel over it or something, or I can just leave it there. And then when somebody goes to the toilet, a panicked pigeon will just kind of like fly at them, and it'll be hilarious. And I sat there like from a distance waiting for somebody to go to the toilet to see what would happen with this pigeon. And then finally, James went to go, and James opened the door and then said, oh, look, there's a pigeon. And it was just like, I've just wasted, like, a good hour of my busy life there, just waiting for something good to happen, and it never did. And the other thing was, people were convinced that the office was haunted. In fact, the previous occupants would say, I won't work up here if I was you. And I happened to tell this to a former colleague, um, and she was terrified of ghosts. So, of course, I pretended to be a ghost and and hid and started making weird noises from next week, which, because I'm a dickhead. Um, And it genuinely frightened her, and she didn't like working up there, and it really wasn't worth the payoff on either of these. So the pranking thing doesn't really work for me. This
1: is brilliant. This is brilliant. Just all really lacklustre prank endings. Yeah. I'm just like to David Brent
0: of yeah. The Yeah, I was
1: about to say, this is starting to sound like a, an episode of The Office.
0: Okay, so we've covered a lot of ground there around Dick Heddery at work. Um, some of them are, I think, avoidable. Some of them are not avoidable. No. I would urge people not to be worried about embarrassing yourself Look, really, nobody cares. And at the end of the day, it's just a funny story later down the line. Maybe not some of the examples that we gave. And, um, yeah, so enjoy work. Certainly looking forward to back to being back there physically after this lockdown so that we can commit all of these dickheadery crimes.
1: Exactly. We want to really prove to our audience who the dickhead is in the office.
0: Yeah, yeah. And as I self-reflect, I think we might have found him. <laughs> so I've been John Gilbert. I've been Ian Thompson. And remember, don't Don't be a a dickhead.